I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to the Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. What is this old watchman, and what is the Watchman Speaks podcast? I'll be happy to explain. Consider this somewhat of an introduction episode. That's what it is, an introduction. I'll share some of my testimony as it pertains to this podcast. The best place to begin is at the beginning. If you'll look at Ezekiel chapter 33, we find the watchman described. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon the land, and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman. And he sees the sword coming upon the land, blows the trumpet, and warns the people. Then he who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood will be on himself. But had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned, and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. So you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from your hand. But if you on your part warn a wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your life. That's kind of it in a nutshell. I issue warnings. There'll be no blood on my hands. Having said that, let me be clear. I am not claiming to walk in the office of a prophet. I have never, as yet, stood and declared, Thus saith the Lord. I have stood instead and declared, Thus the Lord has said in his holy word. Why? Because I believe God has given us what we need in his word. Now there are those who will rise up and declare themselves a prophet, and that's fine. If they want that responsibility, and they are indeed called as God's prophet. But these people love to use Amos chapter 3 verse 7 to back up their claims. And Amos chapter 3 verse 7 reads, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. Now, I can in no way discount that. But I have heard far too many prophet wannabes rise up and declare, Thus saith the Lord, giving events and times of events in which those events are to take place. 
and it just didn't happen. Did they hear from God, or didn't they? If so, it would have come to pass, but it didn't. Never have I heard an apology, or oops, or any kind of acknowledgement or denial of the fact. They just keep on continue prophesying. That simply will not do. Oh, yeah. And they'll make certain to include a link as where you can send your donations and buy their merchandise. So what is the difference in the modern-day prophet speaks and what I speak? Well, I'll be happy to answer that. In the first decade of the 20th century, a philosopher, George Santayana, is credited with saying, those who do not remember history are condemned to repeat it. Now, some have attributed that quote to Abraham Lincoln, but I have found no evidence to confirm or deny that. What I have found is someone who said the same thing, but with greater and more precise meaning. That someone was Solomon, the son of David. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 read, That which has been done is that which will be. That which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one might say, See this? It is new? Already it has existed for ages which were before us. There is no remembrance of earlier things, and also of the later things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. So what was Solomon saying? Solomon is saying that history repeats itself whether we remember or not. There is nothing new. Now it may manifest in a different form, or in a different light, or in different context. But history repeats itself whether we want it to or not, and there's nothing we can do about it one way or another. Having said that, when I realized that little tidbit of understanding, I began to scour the prophets and the historical books in the Bible, and I was amazed at the similarities of what was happening in the ancient days compared to modern-day events. No, I'm perfectly happy to defer to the prophets of old. Therein lies answers to many of our modern-day dilemmas. The same things are happening today as they happened in ancient times, and the prophets had the answers then. If the answers would have worked then, I see no reason why those same answers will not work today. Now, that is not to say that I discount prophetic words in part. Well, not all of them. Most that I have heard directed towards me have been debunked except for five. I'm not going to go into depth with all five, but I will share with you the first. Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. And I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. And they said, We will not listen. Now that probably doesn't sound earth-shattering to you, but I understand perfectly. See, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus was directly referencing Jeremiah 6.16. Those ancient paths, they all lead to Jesus Christ, who is the good way. Did Jesus not say, I am the way, the truth, the life? Of course he did. But what about verse 17 in Jeremiah chapter 6? What about that watchman and that trumpet? To answer that, I refer you back to Ezekiel chapter 33. The watchman sounds the alarm on the trumpet to awaken those who are straying from those ancient paths or to direct the lost onto the ancient paths that lead to Jesus Christ. The watchman has skin in the game, for if he does not issue the warning with a trumpet blast, the blood of those lost will be required from him. It's serious business. It's a tremendous responsibility. It's saddening as well. Not all will walk the ancient paths that lead to Jesus. Not all will hear the trumpet sound, the warning to return to those ancient paths or to come to those ancient paths. Some will not walk the ancient paths no matter how clearly they may be flagged. And many will not turn back to the past no matter how loud the trumpet sounds. Such is the plight of the watchman. It's a lonely and very unpopular undertaking. However, there will be no blood on my hands. Let me share a story with you about the making of a watchman. On September 9, 2018, I was studying a Hebrew verb while my wife watched a live feed streaming in on her computer from Jerusalem. She was watching the opening festivities of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. I remember thinking that I wish she would turn her speaker volume down so that I could more concentrate more fully on my study. Little did I know that my study was about to come to an abrupt end because that's when I heard the trumpet. The sound was unlike anything I'd ever heard before. It was as if I had been slapped in the back of the head and he said, wake up, listen, this is important. I ran, well, as best as a middle-aged fat man can run, over to my wife's desk. And it's funny what one remembers during times like these, but I remember she was eating on a bag of cheese puffs. And I remember crying out, what was that? Well, I might have been shouting. No, I'm pretty sure I was shouting. And she says, huh? Oh, they're sounding a shofar in Jerusalem and she had not even acknowledged my excitement. And I thought to myself, Shafar, how could I have missed this? Then a man lifted the ram's horn, Shafar, and sounded it again. And as that sound pierced the stillness in our office, I felt as if I'd experienced a shock wave of a massive explosion. Then another man hefted an enormous Yemenite Shafar, that's the long spiraled horn of a kudu antelope that most people associate with the term shofar and sounded it mightily. It was as if that sound sliced through my soul, pierced my heart, and embedded in my spirit, stirring something in me so deep that all attempts to express the experience with language have failed miserably. It was as if I had been suddenly snatched from the deepest recesses of sleep 
and thrust hypersonically into an acute sense of an awareness. I had been awakened. I remember pointing my finger at the computer monitor and saying, that's mine. Well, that got my wife's attention. She said, what? What do you mean that's yours? I said, that horn is speaking to me. And, of course, she wanted to know, what was it saying? And initially, I just shook my head. I didn't have a clue what it was saying. All I knew is that something had been offered to me, and I had accepted it without knowing what it was or where it would lead me. Had I known then what I know now, I would have probably dropped the ball, left the game, and run to the locker room. Now, I don't expect you to understand. I didn't understand at first, but the sound of the trumpets I heard that day just would not leave me alone. I'd hear them in my sleep. I found my first clue as to what it meant in the book of Revelation of all places. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. John wrote, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. And then in Revelation 4, verse 1, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. That voice that spoke to John, like the sound of a trumpet, had spoken to me. The difference was John knew what the trumpet was saying. I didn't have a clue. I staggered back to my office chair and sat down. I was literally dazed. It was hard to focus on any one thing. The Hebrew verb that I'd been studying was forgotten. What had just happened? What had I just experienced? What was the trumpet saying? Why did I suddenly feel so alive? That day I opened my Bible and I prayed. I prayed like I've never prayed before. Lord, help me understand. I don't care what my parents taught me about you. I don't care what our pastors told me about you. I'm not concerned about what some college professor or rabbi taught me about you. I want to know what you said. And I want to know how what you said affects me as a modern believer in Jesus Christ. That is where my journey began. I looked up every mentioning of trumpets in the Bible and wrote them down, chapter and verse. Then I looked up every instance in the Bible where the use of trumpets was implied. I studied and I prayed. There was something in this trumpet business that I had missed in seminary and in the additional years of intense study on my own. There was a mystery that I had to shed light on, and as I studied and prayed, the mystery began to unfold. I studied the trumpets exclusively for five months, and I learned a lot. But there was just one problem. I did not own a biblical trumpet to apply the knowledge to. I wasn't certain that I needed one or even if I wanted one. 
But as I continued to peel back the layers and began to see the intricacies of how the trumpet was interwoven into spiritual warfare, brazen worship, prayer, prophecy, how and when the trumpets of the Bible were used, I slowly began to come to the conclusion that I'd have a shofar someday. I just didn't have the cash flow. Then in February 2019, my wife told me to find a shofar to buy. She intended to use our income tax returns to purchase one. But I knew that we needed those returns to pay bills, and I told her so. She looked at me and in a flat, matter-of-fact tone said, You will one day call down the resources of heaven into this earth, and I'm not going to have debt stand in the way of that. What you do with that trumpet will eventually cancel our debt. And she wouldn't budge. She had prayed about it, and she was resolute. She had issued what I call the Swedish ultimatum. Now, the Swedish ultimatum is when the end result is the same, but you have a choice on how you're going to get there. When a Swedish woman makes up her mind, she cannot be moved. So I suggested that we pray about it for three days and come back together before making any firm decisions, and she agreed with that. Meanwhile, I prayed. I prayed hard as I searched the world wide web for a shofar. At the end of three days, we met, and I told her that I believed God wanted me to have two shofars, or shofarot, which is the plural for shofar, one ram's horn and a Yemenite. She asked me how much it was going to cost, and I muttered the figure under my breath, expecting harsh utterances of having lost my mind. But she merely smiled and said, Exactly how much money I put into a special account yesterday. I'd say that's confirmation. This order of the shofar. Five days later, the trumpets arrived. There was a 21-inch ram's horn and a 43-inch Yemenite, and they were beautiful. However, when I placed them to my lips to sound them, the cacophony of noise made my wife wince and set the dog to howling. We had spent enough to cover two house payments, property taxes, and a couple of state dinners on these two horns, and I couldn't produce a single sound that even remotely sounded like a shofar. What have I done? The first thing I did was panic. I lost it. I was distraught. I opened my Bible and flipped through the pages frantically as I prayed in despair. And I stopped flipping pages and closed my eyes and prayed for God's forgiveness for wasting so much money. When I opened my eyes, I stared down at my Bible. And at some time, for some reason, I would highlighted Psalm 32, verse 8. And I don't remember when I had done that or why I had done that. But Psalm 32, verse 8 reads, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. You talk about relief. I had the Holy Spirit of God teach me, and that was all I needed. So my wife continued to grimace and smile. The dog continued to howl, and I continued to heft those trumpets and learn how to sound them. Well, now my wife no longer winces, but raises her hands in worship when I sound the trumpets, and it's only recently that the dog has stopped howling, four years later. 
In these past four years, I've learned a lot. I've learned far more than I ever did in four and a half years of seminary or four years of training and study on my own afterwards. For the last three years, I wanted to speak on issues that I see Christians facing and falling prey to. I wanted to help impart knowledge that leads to understanding that brings about biblical wisdom. But each time that I'd attempt to do that, Holy Spirit would just shut me down cold and that small, still voice in my spirit would say, just wait. The fact of the matter is I wasn't ready. I thought I was, but I wasn't. I didn't have enough of the bigger picture. I'm not sure that I have the entire picture as yet, but it's only been recently that I have been given liberty and license to speak. That's what the old Watchman website and this podcast is about. I'll address issues pertaining to politics, society, culture, from a biblical perspective. I'll address what's going on in the church that is good, and I'll address some of the things that are going on in the church that are not so good. I'll address issues that everyone in the church and outside the church is talking about, but you're likely never hear addressed from the pulpit. Will it be controversial? Maybe, perhaps. Will it be the truth back to its scripture? Absolutely. Enough. The time to speak is now, and speak the watchman shall. Be forewarned. If it's in this Bible, I'm fool enough to believe it. If it's in the Bible, I will not compromise. Be forewarned. I am plainly spoken but I'll speak in love. Do not make the mistake of interpreting my passion or zeal for God as anger or disdain. I care enough and love you enough to tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. But there will be no blood on the old watchman's hands. The old watchman will speak truth and life if you'll hear it. I am the old watchman Ezekiel. And you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.